Well, I hope you have a Bible with you this morning and you can open it to Colossians chapter 4. If you're new with us this morning, then you don't know we've been walking through this book for a couple of months. Actually, for this whole year, I think I started the first Sunday in January, had a message from uh, Colossians chapter 1, and we've kind of walked our way through, and we're coming down to the close of the book in Colossians chapter 4. I love going through a book. I like to read through the Bible, and I like to sit down and read a whole book at once. Admittedly, that's a lot easier with Colossians than Ezekiel. Uh, But I I enjoy doing that, and I I have a software package that lets me remove the verses and uh, chapter breaks um, so I can just read it the way it was written, just read down through. And and that, uh, I'm not sure why, but it impacts me differently when I I do it that way. Um, And we're in Colossians chapter 4. And as we're looking this morning, the goal, the the thought that we want to think is you should connect heart to heart. Your heart to God's heart and your heart to the hearts of others. And uh, Paul writes a lot about our need to connect. Uh, Jesus said he wanted us all to be as one. Uh, As he and the Father are one, he wants us to be connected together. And so we're going to look in Colossians and we're going to look at a couple of principles and how we can put those to work in our lives, some things that you can think about based on what the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul wrote here. Father, as we look to your word, we come before you with a heart like Benjamin sang about, that we want to be more like Christ. We don't come just to be entertained. We don't come just to feel like we've done our spiritual duty and check off the box. Yes, I was in church. We come because we're a desperately needy people, needing to connect with you, needing to connect with others who love and serve you. And so we pray that during this time, you would quiet our hearts, focus our thoughts, help us to think about you, help us to reflect upon you, help us to see what maybe we could change or some things that we could do. And before we leave this place, may we make a commitment that we will follow through on what we have heard today. We're also aware, Lord, that there may be those who do not know Christ as Savior. For them, this could sound a little strange. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would show them their need to ask Jesus to be their Savior, to ask him to forgive their sins. And thank you that when we do call on you for salvation, you always answer yes. Now we ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts, work on us, in us, for us, through us, on this day, in Jesus' name, amen. You should connect heart to heart. Now I got to tell you, I had this PowerPoint with some really cool pictures and everything, and yesterday or Friday afternoon, my surface decided uh, when I put it to sleep to stay that way, so it never woke up. So I spent an hour on the phone with Microsoft, and they said, there's nothing you can do. Uh, I suggested I could take it out in the desert and shoot it with a shotgun. She said that might make you feel better, but it won't help your computer. But uh, it, it's, it's gone. And I decided it wasn't worth the effort to try and redo it. Sometimes the PowerPoints help. Sometimes they hinder. Um, 
Today, I want you to really focus on the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit of God wants to happen inside of you because of what God has written in His Word. Chapter 4, and Paul begins writing to masters and servants, and he started that in chapter 3. I honestly think verse 1 of chapter 4 fits better with chapter 3, but, you know, I wasn't around in, in... hundreds of years ago when they made the chapter and verse breaks for us. But we're going to start in chapter 4 and verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. The first thing that I want you to think about and see is that you should see great spiritual opportunities. You should see great spiritual opportunities in every relationship or interaction within the church and within the community. Everyone within the church when we interact with each other and within the community see great spiritual opportunities. See, when I was a little kid, um, I went to church because I had to. My parents made me go. And my attitude in Sunday school reflected that I didn't want to be there. My parents made me go. And eventually, I ended up trusting Christ and then even preaching. And what a blessing that has been in my life. But it wasn't a blessing to have me in Sunday school when you taught third grade boys. In fact, at one point, we were in a small church, and that teacher was so blessed. She got to have me and my two older brothers in the same class at the same time for a whole year. I think she retired after that year. No, she, she taught for many years after that. But we get tired. We look at people, and we get frustrated. Some people kind of look scary. They have piercings and tattoos all over, and, and, and maybe that is scary to you. It, it's not to me. I'm, I'm not interested in piercings and tattoos all over, but it, it's not scary. They're just different people. Uh, but if you're alone in a dark place and some great, big, scary guy comes up, you're going to have to work really hard to think about a great spiritual opportunity. But, but put this in your head. Every person you ever see, every person you ever see needs to be closer to Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter if it's the pastor. I need to be closer to Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter if it's a, a, a drunk laying in the gutter. He needs to be closer to Jesus Christ. Uh, the person on drugs, the, the gangsta kid down the block, the, the neighbor who drives you nuts, they need to be closer to Jesus Christ. And you need to view the relationships and the interactions. Some people you have a relationship with, like I do with many other people in this room. We've known each other. Some of us have known each other for 40, 50 years. Some just for a year or two, but we've known each other, we interact with each other, we get to know each other over time. But there's people in the community that I don't really have a relationship with, but I have an interaction with them. I'm, they may be, um, I started to say, checking me out, but I'm, when I'm buying something, you know, they're running the 
cash register, and I have to pay for it. They're picky about stuff like that. And so I'm paying for it, and, and I have this, this interaction. I may never see that person again unless they're a believer and I'll see them in heaven. I may never see them again on planet Earth. But in that interaction, I need to think about the spiritual opportunity that is here because I'm here and they're here and I have the Holy Spirit of God in me and the Holy Spirit of God wants to work on them and there's a potential here that I need to be aware of. See, if I'm aware of that, then if they mess up my order, I'm not going to scream at them. I'm not going to fuss at them. I'm going to handle it in a spiritual manner because I'm a spiritual being representative of God. And these people need to experience the love of God through me. So in verse 3, Paul's praying about opportunities to share the gospel. Praying for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance, a door where we can share the gospel with people. We can communicate God's truth. Honestly, I I have for several years tried to practice this discipline. I don't always live up to it, but I've tried to practice this discipline. When I get in my car or I head out the door for a walk, I pray, God, I'm going to interact with people this day. Let me represent you well. And I pray about that. And my wife's grateful I started doing that because it's helped my driving a little bit. She thought I was aggressive. How silly is that? Uh, but I, I, we think about this interaction with people. Paul's saying, pray that I'll have a door of utterance, that I might have an opportunity to share the gospel with people. I have seen Christians in restaurants fuss at the waitress or waiter, wait person, server. Fuss at, I don't go out much, see? Not to restaurants where they serve you. <laughs> I've seen them fuss at the server and grumble and complain and leave a cheap tip and a gospel tract. Personally, I think that hinders the cause of Christ. So Paul's praying, I want a door of utterance, an opportunity to share the gospel. Now, so opportunities to share the gospel is part of this uh, seeking great spiritual opportunities in every relationship. There's also boldness in spite of opposition. Look at the end of verse 3. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Paul was in prison. He had been arrested for disturbing the peace. Uh, They didn't like him preaching the gospel. It was stirring up trouble. They threw him in jail. He suffered great personal indignities. And his prayer is not, Oh God, get me out of here. His prayer is, God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. That's why in Philippi, when the, the jail got broken open and Paul was released, nobody left. All the other prisoners wanted what that guy had because he had a relationship with Christ that transformed his circumstances and he was singing praise to God in prison in the middle of the night. And everybody, even the jailer, wanted to know more about that and he came to Christ. So boldness in spite of opposition. Some of you have family members who really do not like Christ. And they have told you, do not talk to me about Jesus Christ. 
Okay, if that were me, I don't have family members like that, but I have had friends and co-workers like that. I have told them, I will not intentionally try and influence you for Christ. But I love my wife, and I'm going to talk about her. And I love my Lord, I'm going to talk about him. And it comes out in the conversation. And, and seek opportunities. And Paul's praying, not get me out of here, but get me an opportunity to share Christ with people. Now that, seeing great spiritual opportunity, I, I'd have a hard time chained up in jail, but Paul had no problem with that. And then in verse 4, he says, let me share clear spiritual truth that I may make it manifest, make it clearly seen. What does it mean to, to make something manifest where you can all see it? I love, well, I, I love some of the, uh, when you're watching sports and they do a, a replay and they show it in slow motion. And I love that sometimes. You know, sometimes they'll show it like 15 times. Like, okay, I got this. Let's move on, get the game going again. But, but it's neat to see because you see so much more than you saw the first time. I can remember yelling, there was no foul. What's wrong with that ref? He needs these more than I do, you know. And, and then they show it in slow mo. It's like, oops, <laughs> that ref was brilliant. Uh, Paul said, I want to make it so clear that people see the reality of the gospel and their need for Christ. I want to make it manifest, clearly seen, so that people see it. I want everybody who comes in contact with me to know, at least for a moment, they've been in the presence of a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't think Paul was obnoxious about his witnessing, but I think he was bold. And then the end of verse 4, it's his opportunity, it's also his obligation, as I ought to speak. It's an obligation as well as an opportunity. You know Christ. You're going to interact with people who maybe don't. We have some cards on, in the drawer of the table on the back or on, a, on the shelf on the table on the back. There's some cards. that The front of the card looks just like the road sign except our address is added at the bottom. And then the back of the card invites people to church. You can take those with you. Eat in a restaurant, leave a generous tip, and leave one of those. Or leave a gospel track. Let, interact. Try and influence people for Christ. Paul saying, I ought to do this. I, I know Christians who've been friends with people for years and years and never shared the gospel because they don't want to offend their friend. If your friend dies without Christ, you will have been a horrible offense to your friend. I think we should worry more about offending Christ than offending people. We don't want to be obnoxious in our witness, but we want to give everybody an opportunity to hear about Christ, think about Christ, possibly respond to Christ. So Paul said, it's my obligation and then he says in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. You, you need to walk in wisdom in a world of fools. You watch the news, and the news makes such a big deal of non-issues. Have you noticed that? It, and, and now they got 24-hour news, and, and why? Because they're not sharing more stuff. They're just babbling more about the stuff they already shared. 
you, you can watch, I rarely watch television news. I, I read news online, but uh, you can read it way faster than they do it online. Sometimes the video footage is cool uh, online or on the news, but most of the time I just read it instead of having them speak it to me. We, we live in a world of people who make foolish decisions. Non-Christians and Christians. And Paul said, I'm going to pray that you people walk in wisdom. To, to have knowledge and to use that knowledge wisely. And then he says, uh, using your time wisely to make a spiritual impact. Uh, redeeming the time. You can't really buy the time back, but you can make the most of your time. Now, we really have no idea how much time we will have. I have preached funerals for quite a few people younger than I am now. And I have preached funerals for a couple of people almost 40 years older than I am now. Actually, one of them was more than 40 years older than I am now. So we don't know when our, the end of our life will be, but we know that on this day, we only get 24 hours. And so in those 24 hours, what can you do to seek a great spiritual opportunity to influence people for Christ? That's what Paul was focusing on. Verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. If you participate in the Meditate and Memorize, and I think there's a lot of people that don't, but every month this week, every month, we put online and on our church phone system a Meditate and Memorize message. It's uh, four to five minutes long. It has scripture verse that we're challenging you to memorize. And so we had this verse was the one for this week. It went up on our website and on the phone system on Wednesday. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And we, we need to not overlook the truth by showing kindness. But we also need to, when we share the truth, do it with kindness. Some people overlook the truth. Um, say, a friend of yours has done something that you know is sin. It's very clearly in the Bible, thou shalt not, and they did it. And you don't say anything because you don't want to judge your friend. You're not helping them. In the same passage where Jesus said, don't judge lest you be judged, he also said, first, Take care of the thing that's bothering you, the beam in your own eye, then help your friend. He didn't say ignore sin. He said correct your life first, then try and correct your brother. Paul added in Galatians that uh, when you do correct somebody, consider yourself lest you also be tempted. Realize that you also are subject to sin. You struggle sometimes. And so when you're trying to help somebody else, don't pontificate. Don't act like you're righteous and they're not because you sometimes struggle and so you're just helping them right now. And maybe another time they will turn and help you. So when you're speaking to people, uh, do it with grace, a, a kindness, uh, a mercifulness of God, grace, uh, and seasoned with salt. Salt 
preserves and salt flavors. And so you need to think about your words. Um, I had a friend who said, eh, she doesn't worry about it at home because at home people have to love her because that's family. But out there in public, she worries about how she speaks. Well, you're supposed to care about it all the time. And in some ways, it feels a little bit oppressive what God asks us to do. Like it's just too much. But, you know, I've learned something over the years of studying and and observing, like I am diabetic, or I have diabetes, and so it affects how what I eat and when I eat and everything. And I have found it's easier to eat healthfully all the time than it is to eat healthy, healthfully 95% of the time. If you allow yourself to cheat, then it makes it easier to cheat and harder to eat healthfully. If you exercise regularly, it's easier to do it every week than it is to do it 48 weeks out of the year. Because your body develops a habit, a rhythm. And so when you're speaking, you need to consciously think. 100% of the time, when I open my mouth and sound comes out, and it's more than just whoopee because the game or, you know, whatever, and sound is coming out of my mouth, I need to think about two things. I need to think about what God's thinking about what's coming out of my mouth. Because in Matthew uh, 12, Jesus said, every idle word that comes out of your mouth, you're going to give account of in the day of judgment. That if you just, it just pop off. And so I need to think, what is Jesus thinking about what I'm about to say? Because someday I'm going to stand before him. And you also need to think, what do the people listening think about what I'm going to say? Are they going to receive it with grace? Am I saying it with salt? Is it going to edify and encourage? See, I know Christians that harass people all the time. Okay, it's sometimes fun to pick on a friend a little bit. But you're going to give account to God for your speech. And so he's saying, grace and truth. We need both. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. Uh, the end of verse 6, he said that you n- may know how you ought to answer every man. That sounds a lot like what Peter said, so that you know how to speak, how to answer, how to interact with people. You don't have the freedom to just say what you want to say, to just pop off, to let it rip. Well, I just says what I mean, you know, say what I think. You can't just say what you think. You have to say what you think, process through the filter of what's spiritually appropriate. Then speak. I think, for the most part, very few people regret holding their tongue. But all the time, people regret letting it go. I wish... I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't said it that way. So Paul's saying, hey, let your speech all of the time be graceful, blessing people, doing what's appropriate. 
Then verse 7, he talks about all my state shall Tychicus. That's a great name. Hey, you shouldn't. Oh, it's a girl. Never mind. <laughs> if God blesses you with a son, name him Tychicus. Uh, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant of the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Now, uh, number three. So uh, number one is you should see great spiritual opportunities in every relationship and interaction. Number two is you should speak with bold kindness. Don't back off from the truth, but also always speak the truth in love. Bold kindness. And number three, you should intentionally connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Intentionally connect with them. Let me give you some illustrations that Paul gives to us from the latter, ha- uh, ch- latter part of this chapter. Uh, First, without fussing or whining and without seeking attention, you should let people know, uh, let people know the, the intentions of your heart and the circumstances of your life. And I say, without fussing or whining, because the Bible says, do everything without murmuring and disputing. Let people know. And without seeking attention, let people know the intention of your heart and the circumstances of your life. And that's what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying, I'm going to share shared some things with Tychicus, and I sent them to you, and now he's going to share it with you. They didn't have email or Skype. Uh, it, it was a long, difficult journey for somebody to go carry a message in that day. And Paul said it was worth it. Now, don't become fussy. Don't be the squeaky wheel. Don't dope, oh, man. Everything's so bad. It's awful. Bad day. I know I shared this before, but let me just share it really briefly. Last year at camp, I got two flat tires. Same vehicle, same day. So I had one spare. Um, Didn't work out very well. We had to call a tow truck. Tow truck had to come out, lift the van up on the tow truck, drive us all the way into Taylor Uh, which was the closest tire place from where we were that works with the tire place we use here in town. And so we got into Taylor, Arizona. They unload the van, and then I walk in, and I ask for the guy I'd talked to on the phone, and there's a customer standing there. And and this guy at the counter, I can't remember Bob or Bill or I don't remember his name. But I I told him, I'm the guy that called you from out near Concho that I had two flat tires and had to be towed in. And so there's the... The tow bill was a couple hundred dollars. The two tires was uh, more. It delayed our trip by several hours. And and there's a guy at the counter. He said, man, you're having a bad day. And without even thinking, I said, it's never a bad day when you have the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said it with a big smile on my face. The guy behind the counter said, that's right. The Lord helps you through your day. And the customer's like, how did I get caught with these religious nuts, you know? I mean, he really looked nervous. But afterward, I thought about it, and I thought, you know, it's amazing that I wasn't grumpy and fussy, and maybe it's because I had kids with me and I had to behave well in front of the kids. But God's at work. He is in control of our circumstances. You're in control of your attitude. 
no matter how difficult the circumstance, you can have a positive attitude like Paul did. I'm in prison. Pray that I'll be able to do more for Jesus while I'm here. You have that opportunity. So without fussing, without whining, without seeking attention, do share the intentions of your heart. Let people know the real you. Not seeking attention, but what Paul says here at the end of this verse, you should seek to bring comfort to those around you. He said that I may know your state, estate and comfort your hearts. You want to comfort the people around you. Paul was suffering greatly, but he was investing his energy in comforting others. Like Jesus on the way to the cross, he, he looks out at the people who are weeping and wailing. He said, weep not for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. He knew what was coming in their lives, and he wanted them to turn to God. Paul was real. He let people know the real him, but he was not seeking attention or sympathy. His goal was was to comfort them. It is comforting when somebody's going through hard times and they express faith. It encourages you, doesn't it? You see somebody who's had a, a broken heart, circumstances that just feel like they ripped their heart out and they're faithful to God. They just got horrible medical news and they're faithful to God. Just endured a financial collapse or a loss of a job and they're just faithfully trusting God. That's encouraging. And that's what Paul wanted to do. So part of the, in, you know, connecting with people is share your heart, share your circumstances, not to get attention, but to comfort and encourage them. And then you also, you should evaluate people on the basis of their character and their labors. Their character and their labors. Look at verse 10. Uh, well, verse 9, Onesimus a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Apparently, he is from Colossae. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So he sent Tychicus and Onesimus. And then he talks about a few others. Aristarchus, it's another great boy's name. Savannah, if you ever have kids, you have a son, name him Aristarchus. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, or uh, the nephew or cousin of Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments. If he come to you, receive him. And then look at verse 11. Jesus, who is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers un unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. So he's talking about Aristarchus and Marcus and Justice. And he said, these guys are of the circumcision. Now, and when you read through the book of Acts, what are the guys who were of the circumcision, what were they doing to Paul? They were persecuting. They would actually travel. Let's say Paul was in Casa Grande one day, and then he went to Tucson. They would travel to Tucson. And then when Paul went on to San Diego, they'd go to San Diego. They kept stirring up trouble everywhere Paul went. Now, the Bible's not clear here. I mean, the Bible says the truth, but we don't understand exactly what's being said. Were these guys part of the circumcision who opposed Paul at first, but now they're believers? Or were they just Jewish believers, and most of the people partnering with Paul at this point were Gentile believers? I, I tend to think maybe they originally had been in opposition to him, 
And uh, look what it says about Marcus, who is John Mark, who abandoned him at one point in the book of Acts. And Paul refused to take him on another missionary journey. And now he's saying, hey, this guy, if he shows up there, you receive him and you help him. See, Paul's judging people on the basis of their character and their labors. It's possible that Aristarchus had once opposed Paul and now he's a partner to Paul. We know that John Mark abandoned Paul, was rejected by Paul. Now he's a fellow laborer with Paul. And so don't hold the past against them. How many of you in this room have one thing in your past that you really wish you had not done? Now, there's a few who were not paying attention or lying, but most hands went up. We've all messed up. Now, there's no excuse for that. We don't say, oh, we're all sinners, so just enjoy. No, there's no excuse for our sin. We have the Holy Spirit of God inside us. We have a responsibility to be holy. But we're going to struggle sometimes. And and we're going to feel annoyed with ourselves. And so when somebody lets you down, show grace. Give them another chance. Now, give people an opportunity to get beyond their failure. I I think of Mrs. Job in the book of Job. Um, Mrs. Job is always highly criticized. And the book of Job shows one moment of one day in the worst period of her entire life. And that's the only little picture we get. And so a lot of people think horrible thoughts about Mrs. Job. And yet she stayed with her husband through all of that. She lost all of her kids. And it's hard for a dad to lose a kid. But a mom who gave birth to that kid to lose a kid, to me, seems emotionally more difficult. And I know it has been for the moms and dads that in my family, when they've lost, the moms felt it more deeply. Um, Give people the opportunity to overcome their failures. Maybe they used to oppose you, now they're working with you. Maybe they failed you at some point. It doesn't mean they can't be faithful now. God is a gracious God. Uh, We have people serving in our church who at some point in the past failed God and their families to an extent. And God restored them. And now they're serving faithfully. Why? Because... God's in the forgiving and restoration business. One of our favorite chairs at our house has been recovered twice. It's been restored. It's a nice chair. It's really comfortable. And it's worth it to restore it and keep using it. That's how God feels about every person. See the spiritual opportunity in people. Don't hold their past against them. Give them an opportunity now. And uh, in verse 12, he also says we should pray for one another. Look what uh, Epaphras, who is one of you, 
a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Praying faithfully and fervently for others. This is not a, hey God, you know, help Bill. I mean, we all know Bill needs a little help, right? But hey, this is, God, help Bill on the job to be a representative of Jesus Christ. He just spent a week in Idaho. He was a missionary for Jesus Christ in Idaho. Might not have had an opportunity to preach, but he had an opportunity to potentially influence people for Christ. And, and pray earnestly for people. Uh, we have some who are going to be leaving us on the road, heading back to Michigan. Pray for them. Man, pray for them. Now, pray for safe travel on the road. Pray for opportunities on the road. Because, you know, between here and Michigan, they're going to have a couple of stops. At least a potty break. Even if they can go the whole way without eating or sleeping, they're going to have to have a potty break. They're going to have a couple of stops. Pray that in those stops, they might have an opportunity to influence people for Christ. Pray that God will keep them safe on that journey. Pray that they will draw closer to the Lord in this process of their life. Don't just, Lord, bless them. Oh, and bless all the missionaries out there, Lord. We have prayer lists on the bottom of the bulletin board out here for missionaries. You can make a copy of that and pray for these people. In fact, we'll have an update um, next week of update, right, the first of the month. We'll have an update of things from our missionaries. We'll make that available to you that you can keep and pray for the missionaries and, and pray for specific needs for each of them. Epaphras is praying fervently and faithfully for the people in Colossae. And then you should regularly serve the Lord with others. Look at the beginning of verse 12. What's the definition he gives of Epaphras? A servant of Christ. Isn't that an awesome description? Would that be said of you? A servant of Christ. I shared, I don't remember when, recently had a picture of a guy who was head of a Fortune 500 company, and he said, I'm a full-time representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to lead my, feed my family, I also lead this multi-billion dollar business. You are a representative of Christ. Serve the Lord with others. Um, and then he, he talks about in verse... 13, how the zeal that Epaphras had for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis and, and then Luke and Demas. At this point, Demas is still faithful with Paul. Um, it's interesting in verse 14, he calls Luke the beloved physician, the dear one, the one who's close to my heart and Demas. He didn't call Demas the beloved one. I don't know, maybe Demas was starting to stray and later Demas walked away. Uh, salute the brethren in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church in his house. And when this epistle's read among you, let it be read among the Laodiceans. And, and then verse 17, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it, this salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. See, Paul dictates most of the letter. When it gets down to the very end, with his own hand, he writes his final closing comment. 
and he shares it with them. But in verse 17, Archippus, fulfill your ministry. And so I believe the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul would want us to fulfill our ministry. We have how many weeks left in Awana, Tim? Four Four weeks left in Awana. Fulfill your ministry. One of the things that we have talked about over the years is we start the year in Awana, we have more workers when we start than when we finish the year. Because during the year, some of them drop out. Now, some of them have to. Circumstances change. Life commitments change. Some of them just stop because it's hard work. Don't stop serving God. And, and for those of you who stopped working in Awana, I'm not fussing at you as long as you're serving God somewhere. If you're not serving God somewhere, then I'm fussing at you. Oh, uh, Paul's saying, serve God. Be faithful. Serve with other people. There's joy in serving together. There's joy in labor and toil together. It makes the work less work and more enjoyable when you're doing it with other people. Serve God. See great spiritual opportunities in every relationship and interaction. And then uh, speak with a bold kindness. And then intentionally connect with brothers and sisters by sharing your heart, by listening to their heart, by praying for them, by serving with them, by giving them the opportunity to overcome past failures and give them an opportunity to serve God again. We have a tremendous opportunity in Christ. Don't squander it. You should connect heart to heart with God and with other people. And if you feel disconnected, you should change. You should work to connect. Reach out. Connect. Interact. So that you feel more connected. Father, it's hard to live on planet earth. Uh, Some parts of our life are easier because we have cars, so it's a lot easier to get to church a couple miles away than it used to be. We have refrigerators and stoves. Fixing food's a lot easier. We have grocery stores and clothing stores, and some parts of life are a lot easier, but some parts of life are harder. We have way more distractions, way more things pressing on our attention. Back when y'all just worked on the farm together, it was pretty easy to connect. But now sometimes we have to go out of our way to connect with people. I pray that you would help us to connect with you, to connect with each other, to live in a way that brings glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to sing a song here and you can remain seated as we sing the song is cleanse me it's a song rooted in the same theology of what Benjamin sang earlier to to change me from the inside out And so I want you just to think about this song think about what in your life might need to change 
and then think about what to do about that. Okay? So we're going to sing through the first verse, and then Benjamin's going to continue to play through the second verse, but we're not going to sing. You're just going to turn your thoughts inside, and you're going to talk with God about it during the second verse, okay? So Jim, lead us in that first verse. Mm-hmm. 